All right, we are here. Our gloves are on. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm thinking about when someone said they go that moment when Edwina passed her glove to Kate, like, hold this <laughs> to put on her ring when she was uh, betrothed. Um, mm, I remember. All mm -hmm. anyway. All right, you ready to get started? I'm ready, Crystal. Are you ready? <laughs> Huh, kind of. Okay, before we start, Mara, I'm just gonna, I feel like we need to start with a uh, a swig. <laughs> Cheers to making it to this point and uh, going live. Cheers to going live. <laughs> All right, y'all. And shout out to our producer. Producer! Thank you so much. <laughs> confetti <laughs> all right um we all are right. here hello and welcome you are listening to the whistle down wind down with crystal and mara a podcast dedicated to our favorite show bridgerton from Chandelan media streaming on netflix i'm crystal a wannabe librarian who loves to get lost in the story and i shall understand who constantly asks does this make me a bad feminist i love a good <laughs> It's novel, but thought Regency era fictions were my own guilty pleasure. I now know better. And I'm Mara, a lover of British period dramas and a huge Jane Austen fan. If I could put myself anywhere, it would be in the writer's room at Shondaland to watch the magic happen. I didn't know that there were others like me that enjoyed reading historical romance novels. I feel like I have found my people. <laughs> Are you making me giggle, Crystal? <laughs> or it might, or it might be the Riesling. Who knows? All right, y'all. So today we're talking about Bridgerton season two, episode seven, titled Harmony. Dun, dun, dun. So grab a glass of wine, tea, or another favorite beverage, and let's get into it. Cheers. All right, Crystal. Mm -hmm. You ready for this quick bread? Because there was some grown folks business going on in this episode. Okay. Now, you know, when people, certain people clap, you know, it's real. Okay. <laughs> you know, it was real. All right. And it was real in this episode. And I know we're going to be talking about it. So I'm going to go ahead and give us our recap of quick bread. So. At first, I thought this episode should have been titled The Night After. However, after watching the Bridgerton ball scene, both the families needed to heal and have a little bit of harmony. Wink. The queen rolled up to the Bridgerton household like a straight gangster, y'all, 1800 style. Look, she was up there throwing up that dub like Ice Cube, like, look. What Elo now someone needs to tell me Eloise and Colin Bridgerton signed because these two are a gluttony for punishment. Like seriously, why we keep going back to the same well when the well, we ain't supposed to be going back to that well. Edwina must've been listening to some Omorion icebox because there's an icebox where her heart used to be because she was given some side eyes and cold shoulders. She didn't care who you were. Someone was going to catch that fade. 
Lady Featherington can always sniff a good opportunity a mile away. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I could be friends with Lady Featherington, though, because, oh, girl, she see opportunity. She bouncing on that bad boy. The, en the end of this episode gave us some, some grown folks business. And Bridgerton <laughs> would not be Bridgerton without a dramatic rain scene. I hope they keep up that tradition for season three. Mm. Crystal. Yes. I mean, what you think? I mean, was it some grown folk business going on in this episode? Or, you know, am I just talking? No, it was grown folks. Um, the best part is, for me, re-watching it before coming back on here. And I'm at my mama's. So my mama comes in and she's like, ooh. Ooh la la. <laughs> I love your mom. And then, she goes, and then she goes, wow. <laughs> and I'm cracking up. And then because she was, um, she always says that she could write, she could write the thing, write the scripts. And uh, then she's watching, she goes, what, look, now she's pregnant. What's <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is very grown folks business today. Um, but yeah, I think we, we can get more into like just breaking down all of the types of just, but wait a minute. I don't know about you, but I know for myself, I was like, wait, wait, what? Like I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. I didn't see it coming. It was mm -hmm. very unexpected. So then I was mm -hmm. like, wait, and I'm like yelling in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also realized, I'm like, these people have an estate. So the, the land is grand. It's not like it's crowded and there's a ton of people that are always roaming around. Mm -hmm. So I put that in perspective for myself. But I was just like, oh, oh, well, okay. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was in true Bridgerton fashion. Uh, I agree. The rain and then also just like, you're just like, well, well, okay. I guess we're here. <laughs> Anyhow, what, what did you think? Because I think that was probably the most like that. So for some people, I feel like that may have been the moment they were waiting for, right? Because of what we got from season one, they may have been waiting mm -hmm. for that moment in season two. Um, mm -hmm. I think it surprised me, I guess, in this case. Uh, but mm -hmm. how do you feel about like when that, when that, when that moment arose? I'm trying to compare my first, like my first viewing experience versus my X amount of, of viewing experiences moving <laughs> forward, right? <laughs> so the first time, so the first time I watched it, I was just like, well, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So we're doing this right now. Okay. Bet. Um, because I didn't, I didn't expect it. And then, of course, after you kind of like watch the episode a couple more times, you kind of see that, OK, this moment was built like this moment was getting built up till now. And that I actually think that it was well put in terms of we have the buildup of all these anticipation moments. And then finally, we get we get the, whew, you know, we get the fireworks going um, during that moment. So. I mean, I, I thought it was well-placed, um, but again, like the first time I, I was like, oh, I didn't know. I, I, I was totally 
caught off guard because, and it kind of goes back to what, what we've been kind of talking about these last couple episodes, that slow burn was like dreadfully slow. <laughs> <laughs> like, like y'all couldn't have put something in episode four to kind of help carry us on, but, um, but they did it, you know, they did it according to their, their strategic plan. So, you know, as viewers, you know, I think I would have liked to have seen it a little bit sooner, but, uh, but at, at the moment it did, you know, it was, you know, it was cool, you know, um, but now talking about it, I feel like we do get cheated because we're getting it so late in the mm. season because then we don't get that kind of like honeymoon phase like afterwards, you know, <laughs> like all the little cute flirt. I mean, I'm, you know, we're going to be talking about episode eight when we talk about episode eight, but I feel like we probably, I feel like we probably got a little cheated now looking at it, my ex, ex amount of times. So I'm like, but I want to see like, you know, that, you know, like the happy ending honeymoon phase versus mm-hmm. you know kind of what we got but yeah yeah no I agree I feel like this I wasn't elated about it like the way that it kind of happened the way it again just the timing of it it's like mm-hmm. they got to a kiss by the time we got to episode six so the fact that we got here in episode seven I'm like oh I said it took us a while to get to six so I, I said oh okay I, like I feel like mm-hmm. we were really that it was such a slow burn to get to the point where we the point in episode six that like jumping into episode seven you're just like well well all right uh, I guess yeah <laughs> I, guess, I guess we're done uh, <laughs> trying to be like no no I cannot you it's not whatever so mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm. it's there's a lot we can go back on this one but there was definitely like this weird feeling it didn't feel like it didn't feel like the perfect timing. It also didn't feel like the worst timing because at the same time we were, we're rounding mm-hmm. out. Like we got what's left. So uh, when is this going to happen? <laughs> I guess or like when are they going to mm-hmm. acknowledge that part of it? Like when they really going to like let let go in a sense? So I right. do feel like that's probably why it's like okay, I get it, but at the same time, y'all took too long to get here. Um, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. agreed. <laughs> Agreed, girl. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I am going to have to rely on you, um, Crystal, because I realize I don't have a chat option on my phone. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Or I, I guess producer, whenever you want to throw up a, a little hint. <laughs> I'll keep tabs. I'll keep tabs. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I just realized it. I was just like, oh, okay. Um, are you ready to get into past the stones? Because I feel like it's, I feel like it's that time. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get into All it. Right. So, Crystal, go ahead and grab your glass. We're gonna go ahead and get into past the scones because we're gonna start talking about these scenes, our yeah. favorite scenes. Ooh, there's some good ones. Yes, yes. So, as a reminder, past the scones are our the favorites moments scenes, characters that we had in the episode. We generally go with three. It could be any three. So just just work with us is what we're trying to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. 
You want to start? Go ahead. Let me put, put my notes back up. Okay. Okay. Um, I think this is probably an easy one, but Benedict is just living his best life. Can I just give, can I just give some love to the second son? Because he is living his best life. This man is getting into some, you know, some, uh, what is it? Uh, um, THCT. Uh, he's partying up with other artists. Uh, you know, he's just having a grand old time, uh, you know, with like-minded people. And then on top of all of that, this man is dropping some wisdom gems all over. Just gems. He is, he is really coming through for his big brother, Anthony, and helping him to, you know, process what he's feeling and what he's seeing. And really just dropping that advice about, you know what, just, and, and I really like the analogy he gave when he said, well, when I'm working on an art piece and there's a portion of it I don't like, I don't just throw away the whole thing. I just go ahead and start working on and improving what I'm seeing. And he said, it's all about perspective. And I said, Benedict, boy, you as high as a kite, but you are telling some truth right now. You are telling some truth. I said, well, right on. So I just, and you, but the, the thing is, is that Benedict has yet to pick up that Kate and Anthony are like, basically like, in, like are falling in love with each other. I, you know, like Benedict, you need to keep up, babe. Because if Daphne caught it, Mama Bridgerton caught it, uh, Mama Mary and Lady Danbury, and now Edwina, it, I mean, you being the second son, I need you to keep up keep up mm -hmm. that you know this is this is it this is it okay yeah um no it's actually really good I feel like he's he knows it has to do with the sister but he you're right he doesn't right. I don't think he recognizes the level of like how serious it is but he mm -hmm. knows that he's he keeps asking his brother does this have anything to do with the Sharma like <laughs> he's definitely trying to try to help him figure it out, but it doesn't feel like he's clear on like uh, where his heart sits. Um, and I wonder if that has to do with where the fact that Benedict hasn't really fallen in love yet either. Like for him, he's right. kind of, you know, he's out here, uh, but he's not really, he hasn't really had a moment where he's kind of like, no, I understand this feeling. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I like Benedict, Benedict was cool. Um, so, I'll let me use my favorite character, but before I do that, my favorite moment, or actually my favorite element of the show, this episode, mm -hmm. is uh, Kane, uh, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> so this episode, I was just cracking up at how Lady Danbury was using her cane, or just like, acknowledging like how important the cane is to her character. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. this moment is when they're making the plan to ha have a ball and how they need to like, Kate and Anthony to keep it together. And like the two of them can't not be in each other's space. And she uses the cane to separate them. She's like, like move, like separate your <laughs> mm -hmm. first part. Second thing is when they're at the, um, the galleries, they're at the museum mm -hmm. and she goes, oh, she's like, oh, I like my family has a wing here and then swings the cane to point <laughs> at the side. She could have took someone's eye out with that thing. And, I, and Piper was like, I'm like, well, did the cane just go up? 
And then the last part was just like when they're dancing for harmony um, at the end is just like having her staff kind of run back in and give her her cane back after they've finished dancing around the room. And just the fact that that cane is so consistent. <laughs> um, but for me, it's just the way that the, every time I would see it kind of like moving around, like I'm cracking up because I'm like, this cane is literally another character that like, like is just here and it, it, it has, it's wielded in a way that's like, hey, hey, like kind of like Debbie Allen's like, uh, staff in a, in, in that sense, and I just so I just really appreciated uh, Lady Danbury's cane this episode. Uh, go back and look through; you'll see him mm-hmm. work way through. Um, <laughs> and then let me jump into my uh, favorite character has mm-hmm. to be Edwina because homegirl ice wax episode. Bite. She's mad. She's big mad, like, <laughs> and I love seeing her, her shift from the first six episodes, really. Um, and the fact that we now get to see this character is like, she's, she's over it, she's angry, she could care less, she doesn't wanna be here. Um, she's trying to remain with decorum, but she's letting you know that she's not, this is not what she wants, she's not happy about it. Um, so mm-hmm. I just really appreciated like her, like the facial expressions, body language, and just even like her movement um, in this episode. And like, I mm-hmm. respect so much because of how frustrating it was to see her kind of in this, whatever you, whatever you want, whatever you need, whatever you say, kind of mode that mm-hmm. she was in at the beginning to see her kind of like, she said that she's like, I don't know who I am yet, but she's still coming into her own in that she's like very clear about how she feels and she's feeling the feels. So yeah, respected me mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, right on, right on. Um, let me go ahead. I know she's not a fan favorite of everybody's, but I mean, I've got to give love where I see it sit. And Lady Fe- and Lady Featherington at the promenade, uh, walking up to the Bridgertons. Because if we go mm-hmm. back to episode, if I'm sorry, if we go back to season one, we know Lady Bridgerton gave Lady Featherington the cold shoulder when the shoe was on the other foot. Well, oh, wait a minute. Think about it because Lady Whistledown outed Marina. Colin finds out that, you know, she's pregnant and everyone's in an uproar. Lady Featherington is upset because it's almost kind of like the scheme, which we all know was uh, Lady Featherington was trying to get, you know, Marina married. And then, you know, Marina could have the baby while she was married to the new husband. And the new husband couldn't say nothing about it. Just think about it. So, because go back to this episode. So during the promenade scene, which I think is the most cringe worthy scene. When I say cringeworthy, it's like I'm in bed and I brought up my covers, but I kept one eye open looking at it. But I was just like, ooh, all right, y'all just hurry up and walk through because the ton is not having it with y'all. Y'all done, y'all some salacious crew that's going on. And so when uh, the Bridger, so when the Featheringtons walk up to the Bridgertons, <laughs> and why is it? Lady Featherington is so petty. She does this whole recap <laughs> of how co- uh, of how 
oh, how things have shifted now. And she does the whole recap about, oh, Colin and Marina. And now look at my daughter, you know, and now look at my daughter. Uh, what's your favorite girl's name? Prudence. Mm-hmm. Prudence and cousin Jack now are, you know, engaged. But now there's this big scandal about a wedding that fell through between Anthony and uh, Edwina. So I was just like, Lady Featherston, you are the most pettiest, most pettiest woman I've ever met. But I love it, though, because you know what? Revenge is served cold. I mean, she loved it. And I know I messed up that metaphor, but it it, it is hilarious. I was like, go ahead, Lady Featherington. I ain't mad at you. I mean, it, I mean that I mean that was her moment. Because when do we ever see the Featheringtons like up on a high note? They're always but one step, two steps behind the Bridgertons. They're always steps behind the Bridgertons. Hmm? Granted, granted, Philippa got married. But Prudence is engaged to Cousin Jack. We need to stop thinking like this. And like the way that she was engaged to Cousin Jack was because she was compromised. So it's not like she's really winning. Lady Featherington is playing the game. That's how the game is played. You cannot, don't get mad at the players. Hate the game. That's, that's the game. I know. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of right, but the difference being that Lady Featherington was in on Marina's plot versus in this scenario, that wasn't the case. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's that difference. But the other part of it, too, was that they didn't address Lady Featherington. Lady Featherington made made it a point to come out of her way to come up. She's like, oh, hey, guys, (laughs) I heard things are tough for you right now. That sucks. Everything's wonderful for us. <laughs> things will get better. <laughs> I told you, girlfriend is the petty queen. She is the petty queen, y'all. She's excited to see what happens to them in season three. Now that she done stole everybody's money. Um, and, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm jumping. I apologize. <laughs> sorry. I can't come on now. You, come on now. That's episode eight business. That's episode eight business. Let's stick to episode seven. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. Let's let's continue. <laughs> okay. Um, let me go ahead and get into my favorite character since you took Edwina from me. <sighs> so I will I will probably have to give it to mm, I have to give it to uh, Penelope. And I know, I know, I know you are not a fan, but Penelope mm-hmm. is getting tested. She is having to deal with multiple decisions at one time that can affect her future. Future with maybe Colin, her future with her best friend, Eloise, her, her business venture, uh, and her identity as Lady Whistledown. Like... She's doing boss lady stuff. And, you know, I tip my hat to her. She's doing some boss lady stuff. And I'm not a big fan of the decision that she made to ruin her sis. But in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like she did, she did a business move. 
It wasn't personal. It was a business move. Now, if I was Eloise, I go find Penelope and Cutter as soon as I find out she's little Lady Whistledown. Oh, absolutely. But as a viewer, <laughs> because uh, Penelope is my favorite character, like hands down, I love her because uh, I feel like she's super relatable. Uh, it was a business decision. It was a business decision. And I hope for Penelope's sake for season three, I hope she don't die over it. Dang, dang, we gonna drop that in there? I'm just saying, okay. like, they might throw up, you know, they 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 might do a Game of Thrones thing on us, and I'll be I'll be shattered if they try and pull some stuff like that. <laughs> uh-uh. Oh my god, what the they can't who they gonna who's gonna write all the gossip? Uh, oof, okay, I have a question for you when we get um into up to the snow. Mm-hmm. But, all right, anyway, I'm gonna come back to her. My last, um, my last scone has to be the scene in the galleries where Lady Danbury, okay, so we've made this decision that we're gonna have a ball, we're all cool, kiki. So then they're in the gallery mm -hmm. and Lady Cowper and Lady, oh, I forgot the other lady's name. Um, but they come, they like meet up and they're like, oh, <laughs> like Lady Capra's mom or Lady Capra always is kind of like, oh, whenever she sees people like, hmm, <laughs> sorry. So when she comes in and it was like one of the best scenes because it is so fake because they're just like, oh, they're like, oh, like you guys are out. She's like, of course. She's like, oh yeah, like things are cool. We're actually having a ball. And that's also the same time Dan Brace is like, oh, my family has a wing. And then here comes Violet's just like, oh, isn't it over there? And then here comes the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm, having a ball. I'm having a ball, what, the next day? And she's like, you didn't get your invitations? And Lady Dan Brace going, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> The amount, like that's the best part about that scene is you just have to watch for the fa the facial expressions because it's one of those things where uh, you're part of society, so you have to you have to so like you said playing the game, and so they're playing the game, which is um, you think you know what you you think you know something, but you don't. Like Lady Danbury is also saying, like don't forget the clout that I have, right? She's like, like we have a wing. The Cowpers are rich, but they don't have a wing, apparently. That's the assumption that I'm making in this, in this moment. So she's, she's already shouting, like, hey, here's my clout. Don't play with me. Then you have Violet that's just like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about as far as there being a concern. We're cool. We're actually, I'm actually having a party. Um, oh, you didn't get an invitation yet? My invitations haven't even been printed yet. But she's like, you can get your invitation? I'll see if there's room. As in like, oh, maybe... Maybe we left you off, but I'll just double check and see if we can add you in. Baby, like, what? So bougie, so bougie. But look, fake it till you make it, okay? Fake it till that, you make it. I'm, I'm on board with perfect. it. In exchange. Um, and then both of them are kind of like, oh, look, you're having a ball. And at the same time that they're just kind of like, oh, like we should be shutting you. They're at the same time going, hold on, I need my invite. I don't want to not be at the ball because if I'm not there, people are going to wonder why I'm not invited. So I was like, look at the magic that is happening here. Um, anyway, that <laughs> I watched it. I, I rewinded 
probably twice so I can get three good watches. And, and I was like, this is hilarious every time. So mm-hmm. go back mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll just go ahead and say my third one uh, is that grown folks business. I mean, it finally <laughs> happened. And I know that we already kind of touched on it a little bit, but yes, I mean, it finally happened. Uh, whatever two, whatever that two pieces of late of lavender lace outfit she has on, I've been trying to Google it online to see if I can get my own copy of it because I thought it was so cute, so classy. And, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Anthony is a seducer. Like he keep like the way he talks to Kate is as if like Kate been doing these like secret lap dances on him or something like that. Or she been like kind of pushing it back on him. And I'm just like, no, she hasn't. She hasn't done none of those things. And Anthony, it's been you, boo boo. Like it's been you in the <laughs> library twice. <laughs> it's been you in the library twice. It's been uh you know, it's been you in the day room, nighttime scene once. Like, I mean, like, you know, you pushing them, you know, you know, them heavy vibes on her. You're like, yeah, like Kate don't know which way is up because, you know, that energy is so strong. So, but, uh, but, you know, I got to give kudos to the, you know, the grown fit, you know, the grown business. I felt, a, you know, there's a little bit of awkwardness with Kate's monologue because I, I don't I don't know like sometimes I want to talk to the direct to the directors and writers a little bit and the actress I'm just kind of like what what were y'all trying to go with this like the whole throwing your hands up and I was like girl he's not he's not giving you that type of energy but I you know I don't know how many takes they had but I guess that must have been the best one they had but either way though um you know, definitely believable, definitely believable. I think our actors did a great job of kind of just giving us that like passionate, climactic experience that, you know, we've all been waiting for when it came to these two characters. So I think, you know, I think they did great and they're both beautiful people. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, seeing two beautiful people kiss, I mean, you really can't go wrong with that. So, uh uh-oh, did everybody freeze? Hmm. So let's see. I'll go ahead and keep going. I, I don't think we talked about Moldridge and his club. Uh, so we know that Lord Featherington uh, has now started using Moldridge's club as like a business office now. Um, but Lord Featherington kind of gave like this you know wink eye about knowing what the previous Lord Featherington and Moldridge had made a deal about throwing that boxing match uh during the first season so cousin Jack has been looking at the books and that's been um yeah that's that's been kind of tough and um one of the things that I've noticed is that Moldridge Moldrich does not like Cousin Jack, so we are not cool with Cousin Jack at all. Um, But now that Cousin Jack knows about the previous deal, I feel like season three, I don't think, I don't think we've heard the last of Cousin Jack. So um, I'm kind of, I don't know, y'all. 
I think I think cousin Jack might come back and put and put on that revenge stuff. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, producer, are we still are we still hanging out? Okay. Uh, what else has been going on? Um, Eloise went back to go see Theo. Oh my goodness. Of course, I love seeing Theo. I love his eyes. But Theo, Theo has a very, like Theo is smart. He has a good head on his shoulders. He straight up told Eloise, like, why would you even come back here? And not only that, though, Theo almost got fired. So, and Eloise, Eloise, hey now, how are you? Hi. I was just having my own little conversation about a couple of things that I thought were really cool. <laughs> so, Mar, thanks for uh, keeping us entertained. Um, you started talking about uh, you started talking about uh, Theo and Eloise, and I did have some questions on that. So, okay. did we transition into up to snuff yet, or can we do that? We can do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to head on into Up to Snuff. Oh, thank the Lord for patience. All right, cheers to you and cheers. to wine. All right, so just specifically in relation to Theo and Eloise. Whew, Theo came for Eloise. He said, Eloise, and, oh, my notes are, I moved my notes at this point. But he said, you are a lady who, you are a young lady who does not, you haven't had to work for anything, right? So you don't understand how difficult things are. I'm obviously paraphrasing because I have to go get my notebook. But was he wrong, right? And does Eloise realize what he's saying? Because Eloise thinks that her life is difficult. If we look at how she's been this entire season, this Eloise mm-hmm. says that life sucks. She hates the way it is. She hates this society. So... Who is right? Who is wrong in this scenario? Is uh, is Theo right when he's saying that she has no idea what difficult is? First of all, Theo is a man of the people. Okay, he's part of the working class. He has made no excuses about it. He has gone out there, got himself a job, and and he is trying, you know, his best to pursue his passions which I believe is probably within the political realm, right? And also as a writer, because he's also a lover of books. To answer your question, I think it goes back to our previous conversation where I, ha- where I had asked you, is Eloise taking advantage of her privilege? And when I speak of her privilege, I'm, I'm talking about her class privilege, where she can move in and out of different, classes of society and still go back to a very warm and, co- and cozy bed and be of influence uh, versus she, you know, can kind of just dip her toe into this area and then come right back and still be okay. Versus if that person from that class level even remotely tried to do what she did, they would be shunned. Lord knows they might even have the police involved because they're like, mm-hmm. no, you, are, you, you do not belong in here. Like if Theo was doing what Eloise was doing, sneaking off and visiting places that Eloise frequently visits or other gentlemen of the tongue, he'd be kicked out. He, he might even be arrested and, and accused of stealing or something. 
because of the stereotypical biases of that time. If you were a certain class, you knew you were supposed to be somewhere versus, um, you know, those that are of upper Freezing class. It. Yes, you did freeze, but I'm going to keep going though. Uh, <laughs> but you're good now. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I lost my train of thought on it, but I do believe that Eloise again is flaunting her privilege around and she doesn't understand. And I agree with you. She thinks that she's having a difficult time. She's having a difficult time being a woman in the 1800s because choices are limited in terms of where she is, if she can get an education, uh, who she chooses to marry. So for her, she feels at her class level, she's at the bottom of the barrel versus when you look at the general scope of things and not to minimize it because of course, you know, that's the reason why we have women's rights because, you know, women wanted to have those opportunities. But when we're speaking of classism, Eloise would not know what to do if she ever stepped into Theo's world and stayed there and lived in that world. She'd be lost. And it wouldn't be because she would be against it. It would because it would be because she's just ignorant to it. She, she she's not aware of it. She doesn't know because she was born of privilege. Yeah, correct. <sighs> Yeah, it was a lot. Cause in that scene, like she came rushing down there to come check on him. And he's like, are you mad? Um, so she did not receive the um, welcome that she had anticipated. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was like the first like heartbreak like moment because Eloise is still quite young uh, and in her naivete, uh, right? Like she doesn't really understand how different the lives are. Um, everybody keeps telling her like, it's not safe there, it's not safe there. Like you shouldn't be going there. And she's like, to her, it's like, oh, it's cool. Like I just showed up, I just popped in. I said, hey, nobody else would go and hang out at the uh, print shop. No one else is doing that. They don't have the time because they need to work to feed their kids uh, and themselves. So it's just very evident how new everything is for her. And so this is in many ways, probably the first time she's really liked something or wanted something and it pushed back against her. Um, and technically this is not even like the societal thing that she wants. This is something outside of society. And that, that wasn't for her either or quote unquote, like that was, a, that was also a no. And so I think for me, it was just like, oh my God, Elise, you poor heart. Like, <laughs> it was tough to hear, but it was also like, it was important because I think she needed to hear it. And I'm wondering like what that piece does for her as well as she moves forward. Because sometimes mm -hmm. you need to hear the truth and you can't hear it necessarily from the people closest to you. So sometimes you'll hear it easier or better from someone who's less connected to you, but that you respect in some way. So we Absolutely. shall see. We shall see. Do you think Theo will be back for season three? So I, okay, so I haven't read any of the books um, apart from, I read book one, but I didn't read, um, I haven't read season two yet. Um, sorry, I haven't read this, uh, the Viscount, who, the Viscount Who Loved Me? 
Um, mm-hmm. I haven't read that yet. So I don't know what her story is supposed to be, but my understanding is that whoever her character was, they've already introduced him in a different way. So they're gonna have to like reuse her story or renew her story in some form. So mm-hmm. I want him to come back, but also I don't know if he can come back seeing as Penelope <laughs> tried to kill her socially. <laughs> and that actually brings me to my next question, which is Uh-oh. did Penelope, I'm sorry, excuse me, did Lady Whistledown go too far in her admonishment? Like, was it too much? No. <laughs> Yo, if any look, if any of my best friends see this, I'm just letting y'all know I would not do you dirty like that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying this. I'm just saying this as a viewer of the show, a fan of the books. I mean, pa- Penelope was trying to save Eloise. There you go. And I'm going to go ahead and stand on that ground. But this was the only way. No, it wasn't. But this is the only way that Penelope was going to try and save Eloise. One, because we know that the queen would never associate, would never associate herself with a radical. So that just cleared Eloise from being outed by the queen. And then second, it helped save Penelope's identity as Lady Whistledown at the same time. Okay, sorry. So the thing I want to point out, I I knew I should have wrote this down. I didn't do it. I was like, oh, no, it's fine. I should have went back and pulled what she wrote specifically. However... The things that she says is not just that she's associating with radicals. It's saying that she moved with haste and she's insinuating that maybe while she was unchaperoned, that she was having, she was having adult behavior. Uh, what do we call it? <laughs> she was doing the she was doing adult things in the yard. Like that's the, the, the way that it's written is that she has been uh, quote unquote loose and uh, free with herself, with someone who was below their, their class and status, right? Like she did, this wasn't just like, oh, she's out here gallivanting with people who are radicals. No, she's insinuating that the girl is out here being unchaperoned, doing the dance thing with someone that's not supposed to be part of their class. This is, this is she's not acting like a lady. She, she went, in my opinion, way below the belt in her mm. like, mm. this was, it was too much. Talking about making hasty decisions. I heard it, I was just like, because at first I was like, oh, she's trying to say, like, she's trying to associate with her with like being radicals, they're against the, the monarchy and like that part, that type of thing being the big conflict. But when I really heard it, I'm like, no, that's not what that's not what she's saying. That's part of it. But the bigger part of it is the fact that she's saying that this one was unchaperoned with a man below her station. Like she out here in these streets. Her friend called her a hoe. In print form. <laughs> Is it over yet? 
it over yet? <laughs> I lost Mara. Oh, Penelope's not my friend. I am not, Penelope is not my favorite person continuously. And I understand that she needed to go hard in order for the queen to believe it. But I feel like sometimes when she swings, she swings way too hard. Like, I feel like she could have taken her down, but not in the way that, like, like, I mean, there's character, but then there's character. And I was just like, she just, she tore up in this, in this, in this piece. Um, I don't know how she comes back from this. I don't know how the Bridgertons come back from this. Um, I don't know how, because, okay, the other part is two people. So both Eloise and Colin said to Penelope, like, you are so loyal in this episode. Thank you for your loyalty in this episode. And so, yes, I think she's trying to do her friend a favor, right? To protect her friend. But how you come back from this and be like, yeah, I was so loyal. I tore you down in public just so that I could save you from what? Listen, season three has a lot of work to do for me because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to be able to like love Penelope again. Because I loved her when I first, when I first met her. I loved her character. I loved Penelope. I love the fact that she could do what she was doing. And like you said, boss moves, very real. But Penelope, you know what it was? It's the moment she came from Marina. That was the moment. And I was just like, I don't trust this girl. No way, no how. She did. Oh, oh she shattered Marina. Oh, I forgot. I forgot she shattered Marina. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So I'm not gonna say nothing no more. I'm gonna let that go. But I think Penelope Ooh. went way too hard in her protection. I'm like, she couldn't have found a light, a nicer like, you know, she, it's like she went to like like a level seven hurricane. I think there's only five levels for hurricanes, but whatever. <laughs> it's like she could have done like tropical storm level. She didn't have to go full hurricane. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yo, uh, the expression shots fired. Ooh, girl, you came out with a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> I just, ooh, okay. But yeah, but that's just, all, but, but, <laughs> but everything that you were saying was valid. And I think that's why you saw me hiding because I couldn't say nothing. What you were saying was right. You're right. I mean, I'm just saying I'm standing next to my friend Penelope. That's all like this. Girl, you better take this eat. Because <laughs> you did wrong. Mm. 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 All right. Let me cool. I'm going to cool myself down a little bit. Let me take, let me take another two Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let let me do a quick uh, 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 shout out. Um, I forgot to give a quick shout out to the uh, Bridgerton hyphen Danbury PR team that attempted to salvage this hot mess of a ruined marriage. I mean, sorry, a ruined wedding and then tried and played it off saying, oh, it was mutual parties that, uh, you know, agreed to end it. And the ton was not buying that at all. They weren't <laughs> buying it. But I do appreciate uh, 
you know, the PR team of Mama Bridgerton, Lady Danbury, and Mama Mary. The quick, quick okay. note though, Ma- Mama Mary been through this, technically. She's been through a scandal and she's seen, she's seen the ugly side of it. So I think that she was dropping some gems uh, about, you know, during their PR team meetings, everyone involved with all, with all the stakeholders involved. Uh, I think that she was, uh, you know, dropping some, dropping some gems there. With the team meeting. Uh, But I do want to point out though, that think of it this way. Uh, So we do have the Bridgertons. They are enduring a very big scandal. Will they, won't they survive this scandal? But if this scandal had occurred with a less popular or less high level uh, family, do you think they could survive this, something like this? Or, you know, or does a Bridgerton name carry that much weight that it can survive a scandal like this? Mm. I think it carries enough weight because they're like the height of their class. I think they'll survive it. Also, because even if you like, kind of like bracket off Anthony to the side, right? I feel like there's not that they would necessarily do this the way that they love each other, but if they were to bracket Anthony off to the side, I think they would definitely still have the ability to um, kind of like salvage the rest of the family name. And he would just be the like, the one, (laughs) the one that we leave over there. (laughs) So I think that's, that's how I would see it. That's, that would be my best guess of like, if they, if, if they were that type of family, that's what they would probably do. They'd probably like annex out the one that's causing the grief and then, you know, keep the rest, but they'll be fine. They're the Bridgertons, realistically. Um, and they still got two sons uh, and these girls are still looking for a husband. So they had three, son- three sons. Oh I yeah. Mean, oh, I mean, little, little Gregory, but you oh, know, Gregory. Colin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, got we've got Colin um and we've got Benedict yeah Mm. uh question about Colin this is more so I think uh um for colors this is more I guess a book question because it seems like there's a lot of information from the people that read the books I'm actually I'll get back to like reading the books but uh Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this before but Colin's dress is so much different than his siblings Usually he's wearing a blazer, like his, he has color in his jacket uh, versus like his brother wears kind of like the dark, dark navy. But to th- this episode in particular, twice you saw him in like a blue, like a pastel blue or like a, a lighter hued blue in his jacket. And I thought that was really surprising just from like his color palette. I didn't see, like I didn't pay attention to it season one. Um, so I'm interested if one, if that showed up in the book at all, um, and then two, if you think that's just a preparation of like as them shifting for him as like the as like the lead for the next season. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that this is creative license on the writers because um, I'm trying to remember this book and Colin and Penelope's book. It, there really wasn't a lot of emphasis about what colors um, mm-hmm. he he was wearing. I wonder if the change in his attire maybe because of his character traveling the world 
who knows you know that's just mm. something to throw out there but no uh, so a lot of what's going on in this series according to the book has been kind of like put into spaghetti some things are true some <laughs> things aren't mm-hmm. um you know like for instance the whole ball thing that didn't happen um and in fact um and I think I remember telling you Kate and Anthony actually got together because they got caught in a scandal so, or a a scandalous situation at Aubrey Hall and that was the whole I, I don't know if I told you did I tell you what it was did I tell you what it was tell me again because I don't recall go ahead so basically so basically uh the scene set is at aubrey hall uh think about the scene where kate and and anthony are talking um but remember it's yeah it's not about uh edwina but then the bee starts floating around okay and the bee stings kate on the not the collarbone but like right above the booty and uh right above the bosom and uh Anthony I in the book and I think that they did a good job kind of taking what the book was saying to Anthony actually you know doing it in a more actor you know actor type way um was like starting to have a panic attack like oh my god Kate just got stung by a bee Mm -hmm. so he tells Kate hold still and Kate's like what are you doing because he actually like grabs onto her shoulders to like hold Mm -hmm. her still and like Kate's like fussing like stop let go of me and Anthony starts sucking on the top of her bosom where the bee stung her (laughs) he thinks that he's he thinks he's trying to get out I guess the venom or the poison but he really just giving her a, a good old fashioned hickey. <laughs> and what happens is, is uh, Lady Danbury, Lady Featherington, and Mama Bridgerton uh, walk up on them during this very awkward scene. So I definitely book readers uh, watching this, please put it in the comments. That's if I missed the step or anything, but that's really the gist of it. And uh, the rest, and and actually the rest of the book really talks about how Kate and Anthony learn to love each other. There's even, um, I I believe there's even a part where um, Anthony and the opera singer, I think, still have a friendship or something, and Kate gets jealous about it so that's so i so i ain't spoiling the book now if you yes. want to find out and, and see if i'm right or wrong you got to read the book come on yeah, now. Read. we got we got to give uh julia quinn our uh, uh, uh coins so you know we got to give her her coins so go out and go get the book if not go to your local library yes let's support our local libraries and go out and go rent the books or check it out uh the audio version too Nice. That's my little yep. PC, you know, my little public service announcement. <laughs> so, um, I saw, I saw, like, I think another question uh, on this episode, but for season three, so now obviously we, we know currently that they've started filming for season three. They put Yay! out, a, 
excited. My issue now is, again, I don't like looking for spoilers. I don't want any information about plot. I want to know nothing. However, it's very hard in this society to not see it, hear it, or understand it. So my mistake was I went onto um, the Bridgerton Facebook group and uh, people were commenting about the carriage. And I'm like, I don't get it. And then I'm just like, oh no, the carriage is meaning. Um, and so unfortunately I was in the comments and I'm just like, I think I know what their meaning is, but I'm in the debate stage on, as to whether or not I want to read season three's book or correction, Penelope's story I, like, um, or Colin's story. I'm, I'm, I'm in between. I feel like I might want to lean towards reading the book and seeing how they change the story because we know it's not going to be the same anyway. Um, right. So I'm, 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 I'm leaning more towards, like, I think I might try to read this one before it comes out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know why I shared that. I just wanted to share that. <laughs> <It's just> the- <laughs> You're good. You're good. So I'm wait. About, Dang, what do I do now? I don't know what to do. Because people are excited. So they keep sharing tons of stuff. So let me tell you, first and foremost, the... What's been going on is, is I expect the writers to continue on the path that they've been on, which is manipulating the story, right? Because we have to remember like books, it, it can be challenging to take what is written in a book and actually put it in to a movie or into a TV series because mm-hmm. it just takes, I mean, it just takes a lot more work to translate that um, and for actors to, you know, play off of it, right? So first and foremost, I did read what the I did read what the plot says for season three. And let me tell you, there's no spoilers in there. Like first and foremost, we know it's gonna be Colin and Penelope, right? Um, now I did see that they are onboarding three or four new characters, or they've hired a three or four actors to be brought onto the series. I've read the titles of those characters that they're playing they're not in the book. So, mm. so that just leads me to believe there's going to be more creative licensure from the writers about how, about how they're going to go about doing, um, I'm, now I'm trying not to give away the plot. Uh, but I think everyone, I think it's kind of obvious what the plot is going to entail, right? I think mm-hmm. that, you know, the Bridgerton world is going to find out they may or may not find out, or they may get very close to finding out who Lady Whistledown is, but the excitement is, is how are they going to wrap that up into a mystery? How are our characters going to find out and how are they going to react? Like, I really feel like we're going to get more of, of course, we're going to get more of that because us as the viewers, we already know who it is. So the real mystery is, is which character is going to find, which character in the Bridgerton universe is going to find out and how are they going to find out? And will, will it, will Lady Whistledown be exposed? And what are the after effects of what that looks like? So Mm -hmm. we all kind of know, but we don't know. Um, But I don't think that um, the other, the other stuff in the book uh, is too much of a spoiler. 
you know, I don't think so. Um, I'm really looking forward to on how they're going to be pushing Benedict's story in the background. Um, mm-hmm. Only because only because we know that so far at this time, Richardson has only been uh, approved for, is it like two more seasons? So yeah, four seasons. Exactly. So we know at least we're going to get Benedict's story before everything is said and done, unless, you know, by the end of, so I guess season three will start next year, you know, so we'll find out whether or not there will be additional seasons after Benedict's. But as of now, we know that we'll at least get Benedict's story. But Mm -hmm. I mean, if Benedict's story is going to be the last story, then we know that other characters' storylines are going to get pushed through and we're going to find out what's going to happen. Because Eloise, Eloise is still very interesting to find out about her story. Benedict's is still interesting and Collins is still interesting too. So I'm excited. I'm excited. So that's, so that's all that technical stuff I wanted to share, but it's something I've definitely been monitoring. And, you know, it just kind of makes me think, I'm like, oh my God, what are these writers going to do now? Like, there's just so much out there. And I'm already thinking of like season three, uh, uh, what do you call it? Scenarios or mm-hmm. um, what's the word I'm looking for? When, when, when you're thinking of guesses about how season three will go. I'm thinking of a certain word. Predictions. Predictions. There you go. Girl, I couldn't remember the word to save my life. But yeah, season yes. three predictions. Drink some more wine. Okay. There we go. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, um, well, I guess here's the question. Because I was thinking about mm-hmm. the fact that Kate, who's always stressed, uh, and always runs into the woods, right? That's how she ended up out in the rain on a horse, falling on a rock. Um, do you think that she regrets what she did with Anthony under the canopy or the, mm. on, on the pedestal, I don't know what to call it. Um, I know, the, the, the gazebo, the gazebo girl. <laughs> I can't say, or it's kind of hard to tell whether or not that there is regret. I know that what I did see from her, oh wait, I'm trying not to go into episode eight. Hold on, pause. So in episode seven, is there regret? Regret. I think that there, so I don't know that answer. I think there's mm-hmm. confusion of emotions and duty mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. on in her head in episode seven. That's, that's what I think we're seeing is the confusion. Okay. What do you think? Mm. It's, it's, it gives me very much the um, twilight when um, they get married and then the next morning, she's like re like envisioning like the night before, and so she's mm-hmm. kind of she in her case she's seeing all her bruises, but she's also for her, <laughs> I feel I remember that trauma, but uh, she's also <laughs> at the same time kind of like acknowledging the lovingness of it at the same time. There's a lot mm-hmm. going on for these youthful <laughs> these youthful teens, uh, but um, so I think there's some of that. And I think maybe it's just her like fighting. It's, I think it's the duty. I think it's also her fighting 
the, the notion of that she did something for herself and she feels bad about that. Yes. But it was how, very- How dare her. Yeah. So like, so I know that she's, I do think also there is the confusion because again, as a young woman, you're taught what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And technically mm-hmm. she's been so dutiful and she's now broken the rules. Um, so I think that that's also a bit of a shock that she's dealing with. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's also, you know, if she ties her ability to be so dutiful to like her value and her, st- and like where her status is in a sense, like if that's, if she feels that like she's kind of given that up by making the choice that she made. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but it just, I think in, for me, I'm just like, well, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, but it's, I think when you say like, she went out in the monsoon, I'm like, actually, she didn't think at one point to be like, maybe I'll just walk around up on the balcony. Maybe I'll just sit upstairs and make myself some chai tea. Uh, no, she got on a horse and went running through the monsoon rain like, ah. Um, and the horse was like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah, because the horse was like, this is so dramatic. Why do you have my the ass out was... here like this? Yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It just, I think for me, it was just kind of like, there, there is a bit of that question, right? Like just like, even with everything, everything the way that it is, like, does she now regret it? Or is it the fact that it's it's too much? Like it's the fact that it's too good to be true where she's just like, that was everything that I thought it could be, but I know that it can't be something more. And so now that's what's stressing me out. Oh, that that's tough. That's tough to be in that in-between feeling and not knowing. Yeah. And she's not in control. She is not in control. That's hard. And and she doesn't know. And she's never been in this position before. Mm -hmm. And she's trying to grapple with what these feelings, emotions, and thoughts are. Mm -hmm. Mm. It's a very hard it's a very hard place to be. Um, and I think that's still like, that still happens now. And people are just like, mm. mm-hmm. like it's, it's in some ways it's like, well, what are we? <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> like, how do we talk about this? And also being honest about like what she really wants and what she, like where she wants to be. Cause she's been saying the whole time, I'm going to be a governess and going back to India. But the mm-hmm. truth is that he's like, actually, I really want this guy, but I don't know if this is real. Um, and like right. Amina said, right. says, happiness is uh, it's not real, right? And her, and her believing it, right? That first, like as soon as she had that conversation with, with her sister, uh, Anthony came over like, hey, we, like, <laughs> hey, we need to talk. And she was like, we talk about what? <laughs> she was like, nothing happened. And he's like, what? Because I know he's like, uh, I've been thinking about this all day. So that's a lie. <laughs> so it's it's that it's that piece of it. It's kind of um it's it's her not admitting she's not clear about what she wants, but also not acknowledging what she yes. truly And so I think that's where yeah. a lot of it is coming from. Um but the fact that there's confusion, like this I can't say that she's wrong for being dramatic and being confused because that is a lot going on. And she would have to get on that boat for another like six months to get back wherever she where she went to get back to India. 
So, but really though, like she couldn't just have sat at the edge of her room with the window seal open and looking up and looking out and looking at the rain. She got to get on a horse. She literally has to put on her riding boots. She's mm. got to put a cloak on. She's got to make sure her hair is tied back. She's got to leave the house, go to the stables, mm-hmm. get one of the get get one of the stable boys to mount her horse for her, and then she got and then she got to get her ass up on that thing. Come on now, stop. Nope, dramatic. Don't forget, she didn't ask for help because Kate's self sufficient. So she put that she she put the saddle on that horse by herself, and then left because they were confused when they got there. They were like, "We don't know where she's at. <laughs> we don't know where she is." And then someone's like, "One of the horses is missing." And they're like, <laughs> "The staff was like <laughs> the staff in the hallway like process of elimination." Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. So I was just like, "Not the staff being confused." They're like, "Ever since she got here, we never know where she is." Um, all right, I know we're probably getting close to time. I think we probably have like another five minutes before we got to shut it down. Um, what was one thing? I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to like pull up here. Oh, colors. I forgot to finish the colors. So I, I noticed Colin's color. Did you notice that she's wearing more violet? So sorry, Kate specifically. That we see Oh, Kate okay. In- I was about to say. <laughs> um, I know I'm talking about just a random woman. Oh, but color um, on the colors scheme right she's her colors have been very like um deep colors but Mm -hmm. i noticed that she was wearing a lot more violet and for me i'm just like oh my gosh she's wearing violet and she's technically going to be the new violet so this is actually super super cute uh but i don't know if you noticed like her color scheme like um it was consistent obviously but the way that they kind of like instead of going more into the purple uh and it felt like she was wearing a lot more violet this episode um as we get closer to the end of the story. I know. I I I loved it. I love the purple, the lavender, the plum. I thought the colors looked beautiful against uh, her her skin tone. Uh, and I don't want to misquote it, but I know I think I saw something on what girl you done froze on me again. That's okay. Um, but I think I saw on one of the blogs where the, um, uh, what do you call it? The costume, the folks that do that do the costumes for the characters, that there has been intentional use of colors to represent each character, each main character. Uh, and so I would not be surprised if, uh, you know, Kate using lavender or purple was, you know, supposed to be a representation of her taking on the new role, um, not giving away anything in episode eight, uh, but of course, and then Mama Bridgerton's first name is Violet. Hi again. You're on mute. That's okay. Hey, now. Hi. Aren't you cute? Hey, Say it again. It's a technical day today, apparently. Yes, it's all good. That's why, that's why we have something to drink. I think the only person that has been like true to her color scheme has definitely been Penelope. The way that it's described in the book, uh, Lady Featherington loved to put Penelope in yellow. God bless her soul. Didn't understand why. But yeah, that part's totally. You think they'll give her a new color scheme for 
Do you think they'll keep her in yellow, or do you think they'll change her color scheme for um for for her season? I my gut is saying that they're going to change it because um, in the book, which they also described in the plot, um, Penelope. Penelope ain't going to be giving Colin the time or day. Uh, the I'm sorry, the time of day. Girl, the damn alcohol doesn't hit me now. Uh, <laughs> not giving him the time of day going into that season. So I can really see, and that's the same thing that happens in in the book. I can see Penelope, um, you know, embracing embracing this new person that this new butterfly that I think we're going to see. Uh, coming out of her cocoon in season three let's just go ahead and end it on that um so maybe i will like her again we'll see what happens so that's it for us thank you guys for watching thank you for listening please comment like and subscribe on youtube you can find us on twitter at crystal and mara and if you're listening Uh, please leave a review. Our podcast is available on all, on all uh, podcast platforms. Of course, shout out to Spotify, uh, shout out to Apple. And we're actually going to be doing a special, special, special live taping of our show on YouTube on Saturday, August 6th. Uh, Time is still to be determined, but if you follow us on Twitter, you will be the first to know what time and what location our last episode will be at. Exciting! Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yay! So, right, well, thank you!